Wyand Incorporated is now represented by Wyand, Wheeler, Hellerman, Tetlow, and Brown. And more specifically, Andrew Beckett. Yes! Bravo! <laughs> I sincerely appreciate your faith in my abilities. Mr. Beckett! <laughs> How are you? What happened to your face? I have AIDS. Seeking representation. You want to sue Wyatt, Wheeler, Hellerman, Tetlow, and Brown? I was diagnosed with AIDS eight months ago during a bout with pneumonia. What's that in your forehead, pal? Uh, Andy, everyone in this room is your friend. I misplaced an important complaint. That's their story. We've been talking it over. Your future, that is. And we feel that because we respect you so much, we must be honest with you. Excuse me. Am I being fired? Would you accept a client if you were constantly thinking, I don't want this person to touch me. I have a case. I don't want them to even breathe on me. You don't want it for personal reasons. Thank you. That's correct. I don't. That's very disappointing. Sir, wouldn't you be more comfortable in a research room? No. Would it make you more comfortable? Beckett, how you doing? Counselor. Did you find a lawyer? There's going to be things said at the trial that are going to be hard for you to hear. I want to know everything about his personal life. What deviant groups did he secretly belong to? I didn't raise my kids to sit in the back of the bus. Is Andrew Beckett the kind of lawyer who misplaces crucial documents? An excellent lawyer. Andrew Beckett is dying. You were impressed with Andrew Beckett's work. Andrew Beckett is angry. What powerful force has caused him to change his mind? He wants someone to pay. TriStar Pictures presents... The law's been broken. I just want what is fair, what is right. You remember the law, don't you? A Jonathan Demme picture. So let's talk about what this case is really all about. Did you fire Andrew Beckett because he had AIDS? The general public's hatred, our loathing, our fear. In this courtroom, Mr. Miller, justice is blind to matters of sexual orientation. We don't live in this courtroom, do we? Tom Hanks. I love the law. Denzel Washington. Are you gay? Objection! In a story about our lives. Oh, man, today's a good day. Our fears. Andy brought AIDS into our offices. And our humanity. We hate this case. Philadelphia. How many lawyers you go to before you call me? Nine. Well, everybody, welcome to Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? Uh, the channel where you get to hear about people, places, and issues from a blind life perspective. You are watching Friday Film Feature. I am one of your hosts, Victor Gouveia, along with my co-host... <laughs> Claudia Del Rio. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just sprung it on I'm her. <laughs> I just sprung it on her, folks. So don't uh, pay any attention to me. Um. So today we are, as you just saw. Actually, let me make sure this isn't sharing anymore. So we're in the shot.
Okay. Okay. Um, I don't know why it's not showing, but it's not. I know apparently there's... These uh, technical glitches on a Friday are always fun. Well, it's like, it's it's like Monday all over again. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. It's not really a technical glitch. It's Victor doesn't <clears throat> know how to use StreamYard that well, or at least these technical glitches are a problem with StreamYard. Uh, for some reason, there's. I really have to get you to... Uh... We'll talk after. Anyway, folks, I'm not sure if you can see me or Claudia. So we're just going to go on the premise that um, we're here. No, we're flying blind. That's what we're doing today. That's what we are <laughs> doing. That's exactly what we are doing. Yeah. And we are reviewing the movie Philadelphia <laughs> from 1993 starring Tom Hanks, Denzel Washington, uh, Jason Robards, uh, Antonio Banderas, Mary Steenburgen, and uh, there was one more person I wanted to mention. Oh, she was the mom, huh? Yeah. Oh, I couldn't figure out what her, who her... Um, I knew her voice, but I couldn't figure out who it was. Yeah. For those who don't know, this is about a lawyer... And it's loosely based on a true story about a man who was employed by a law firm and he contracted AIDS. Or at least he was a homosexual and he contracted AIDS. Um, he kept it a secret from his partners at the law firm. Uh, but at some point they found out and fired him because of it. Now, throughout the whole movie, it's essentially a court proceeding um, of Andrew suing the financial firm he worked for for wrongful dismissal. Um, and, I, I, I mean, let's be honest. <clears throat> there's a lot of faux pas in this movie, uh, least of which are, are court procedures. <laughs> um, but an interesting point of fact that there was that last scene at the end of the trailer where Mary Steenburgen says, I hate this case, which was completely ad-libbed by her. So, I mean... Jonathan Demi just decided to keep it in the script. And it adds a lot of depth to it because you think here's this heartless bitch representing these heartless clients. And yet it seems like she actually has a conscience. I actually love that part. Um, yeah. Just because you did hear her say it like kind of under her breath. Yeah. So yeah. I think that 
at this point in the trial, the whole case had gotten to her and she got to see another side of Andy Beckett that, you know, she was, um, she was made to play the part of the heartless lawyer who was, you know, basically defending the firm and um, its decision to let him go supposedly based on work ethic, but not. And I think that it finally got to her. I should mention there are going to be spoiler alerts throughout this show. Spoilers, spoilers. Yeah. So get ready for that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Having said that, there, there is something that I think people should know. Claudia and I have both watched this movie, but unlike Claudia, I was able to see, watch this movie when I had sight. And I'll talk about that later. However, it's a tour de force. And while it's a great movie to watch, the acting is superb. Tom Hanks won an Oscar. Bruce Springsteen won an Oscar for his song, Streets of Philadelphia. And one has has to just wonder where these kinds of scripts come from, if they come from real life. Now, keep in mind also, this was released in 1993 at the height when AIDS and homosexuality were just coming into being. Nobody knew about it. Nobody knew how who caused it, stuff like that. So it was more of an education piece more than it was entertainment. However, as I said, it is loosely based on a true story. And at some point, well, I mean, the true story come, is true in that the gentleman who sued the firm won but I mean we've moved a long way away from times like this I mean I can't even remember 1993 shit I was still back in college and where were you in in 1993 I was in college too and uh I do remember sort of um you know, I remember hearing about AIDS back in the day, even in the late 80s, because of the whole Ryan White story, if you remember that, mm-hmm. um, and the little boy who um, fought to be allowed in school, mm-hmm. even though he had um, contracted AIDS, I think he, uh, for him, it was through a blood transfusion, or he had hemophilia. Now, I don't remember now which one. Right. Um, so... It was kind of out there, but not. And right. and uh, I do remember in you know in college, um, hearing about it. Um, but you didn't talk about this stuff back then. You didn't talk about AIDS or HIV and homosexuality, especially and, and- in the circles that you and I ran into with our <clears throat> less than well less than American and Canadian roots. Because I was Portuguese, you were Mexican. Oh yeah, God forbid. And God forbid we <laughs> These ever talk about. Oh yeah, absolutely. But it is funny that we have. I, I think it's um, the movie speaks to the 
the lack of education and just knowledge about the whole, um, about AIDS and homosexuality um, in the 90s versus now mm-hmm. when I know it's even changed my mindset because I work now with people that I encounter um, that are um, clients who we are serving who have um, HIV and it doesn't really give me second thought anymore. It's just, you know, you, you work with, with um, the individual to the best of your ability, but would I have done that 20 years ago? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and that and that's the thing, right? Twenty years ago, there was uh, uh, actually it's thirty years ago. Holy shit! <clears throat> Here we are saying twenty years ago when it was actually thirty years ago. Yeah, I'm still twenty one, so anyway. <laughs> we're gonna keep that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, thirty years ago, there was a stigma associated with homosexuality it was the gay plague the gay cancer um there was no lgbtq alphabet at all yeah um you were either gay or not there was no bisexuality there was no transgendered uh no transitional uh genders at all and it was interesting in this movie, so spoiler right here, um, <clears throat> that um, there was the reason why why Andy Beckett was fired was because uh, a co-worker saw lesions on his face. Mm-hmm. Um, and he recognized those from a previous law firm he'd worked at where another where a woman, another coworker, mm-hmm. had also contracted AIDS. And it was interesting to me how they, um, <clears throat> he, this coworker basically said, he basically came down to, it was more acceptable in the way that she contracted AIDS because it was through a blood transfusion and he felt bad for her. And so, but, it was a totally different mindset um, and opinion for Andy because he had contracted AIDS through homosexual acts. Right. Right. And, and <clears throat> you could see that, that sort of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Bias, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, discrimination, I guess. <clears throat> uh, in Jason Robart's character, Charles oh, yeah. Wheeler. And, he was a good old boy, part of the oh, good old yeah. boy networks, a rich boy, white, what, uh, you know. Um, wasp. Yeah. White um, Anglo, uh, for those who don't know, wasp means a white Anglo-Saxon <clears throat> Protestant. Yeah, pretty much. And he played that character very well. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. I mean, he's the uh, Jason Robards, Robards <clears throat> me, had a distinguished career. And... Uh, he played that well i can't say he played it well no but he was the guy you wanted to hate yes. <laughs> so he was definitely he that. was easy to hate yeah let's put it that way that's right exactly and <clears throat> and there is a turn at the end and i'm not going to say who with but 
it's interesting how they go from being hated to being pitied, you you might say, by one of the partners. And he admits on the stand what happened. And, you know, you see that throughout throughout the movie. I mean, in Denzel Washington's character of Joe Miller, he slowly goes from being anti-homosexual, anti-gay, anti-AIDS, to being fully acceptable. And uh, sorry, am I saying that right? Acceptable or accepting? Accepting. Accepting. Accepting of the whole premise that these people are regular people too. I mean, even at the end, he still has trouble when he's sitting on Andrew Beckett's, um, spoiler alert, Andrew Beckett's um, bed. Um, because he sits beside him in, on on his hospital bed, Andrew Beckett has to ask him twice to come sit down, and you know it just shows that while he becomes accepting of it, he's not fully there quite yet. No, and you could you could you could feel his uh, his hesitancy, mm-hmm. um, even though I think he did in the end believe in the cause that he was fighting for, meaning um, Joe Miller, um, that, you know, he hadn't totally fully accepted, but I think he was learning to empathize Mm -hmm. uh, more because in the beginning there was a total lack of empathy and he's just like, I want nothing to do with this. Yes. Yes. And, and, for once, which I appreciated this very much, this movie portrayed gay men as actual men, not gay men as quote unquote fairies or uh, womanized, such as, uh, for example, The Birdcage, with starring. Um, Starring, um, what's that? Robin Williams, excuse me, Robin Williams and Nathan Lane was a remake of La Cajo Falls, and that is entirely about gay men. And there was only one male, really full. Well, I don't know what to call him, Claudia. Help me out. I know what you're saying, but I don't know. I think mm, uh, men that are more feminized. Yes, yes, that's it. This exactly. is your straight up male. This was these <clears throat> these men were portrayed as your straight up male testosterone laden. You know, like yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and, and there wasn't anything. I mean. They might have had a nice apartment. Oh, I love their apartment. Uh, it was a huge loft. So, and that's for the sighted people among you. Um, <laughs> it's a great apartment to look at. But, um, you know, aside from their apartment looking tastefully decorated, 
you wouldn't know these these men are gay. There was all. nothing. There was nothing to give you that indication. I think in in this movie, there was nothing. He was a lawyer. He, you know, he didn't dress any differently. He didn't. You wouldn't know unless he told you. Right, and in one flashback, <clears throat> he's seen in a steam room with the other partners. Um, Again, joking around. Well, he isn't the one joking around, but the partners are. And uh, it's a flashback. And you can't tell he's homosexual at all. And that's an interesting thing. And actually, I think that's a downfall of this movie. The fact that it's so unrealistic. Really? Yeah. And I'll tell you why. I think people would have associated more with this movie if the premise was more in a middle class to lower class society. This one is upper class. We're looking at guys who can afford this sort of thing, who uh, they can afford to take these people to court, stuff like that. It would have been nice to see what the average guy who works at uh, uh, Walmart, for example, who gets fired for having AIDS. I think it would have been better to see that. I would have associated <clears throat> more with it. As it is, I can't associate with being a high-priced lawyer at a law firm Um. I mean, yeah, it shows how he developed AIDS at, uh, I won't wreck that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I will not wreck that. Yeah, but but also think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know about that because, uh, yeah, I think it would have been more relatable in the sense of, like you said, if it was, uh, you know, your average Joe, you and I, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I, I think that this was still in the early stages, so they couldn't portray it like that because people like you and I didn't come out like that. He could because part of the reason why he could was because he had the means to. And don't get me wrong. That isn't to say that, I don't find this movie moving. That is to say, however, that if I wanted to relate with the guys, I would have made them in a more middle class to, um, yeah, to a subclass. Even saying it sounds wrong. Um, yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, middle class to low income. Uh, Lower socioeconomic level. Thank you very uh, much. Thank you. I uh, haven't had my coffee today and that oh, that's, what, that's all you get. Okay. Yeah, got it. Got it. Uh-huh. Well, you know what? What was funny to me, not funny, but. Um, funny haha or funny no, interesting? Interesting funny. Uh-huh. Um, you bring up a good point about you know that you thought it would have been more relatable. Mm-hmm. So, 
I liked his family in the movie. They were very accepting. They were very open. They were just very tight, very close knit. Mm-hmm. But is that realistic? No. Uh, no. And I, I liked that. I did like that because I think it I think it gave him strength to go on and he gave him the courage because because if he would have had a, a very different family and one that um you know obviously if he hadn't disclosed to the family or if he did but they shunned him it would have been a totally different ball game i think you think his mindset wouldn't have been as uh as strong-willed you mean possibly yeah and that's and that's at all that's completely <laughs> possible i mean the fact is back in nine, 1993 coming out was taboo yeah and for your average Joe, if this would have been the average, uh, you know, you and I type of slash Canadian slash American, whatever, whatever, uh-huh. your family and my family would most likely have not been accepting. Yes. Yes. And that's the thing. I came from a predominantly macho society. No. That being Portugal. No. Well, yes. <laughs> I hate saying. to say it. I hate to say it, but the guys on the islands were always so macho. Yeah, no, no, I get it. I'm they just had saying. their farms. They had their work ethics. And there weren't guy, gay guys. There were gay guys. Don't get me wrong. Okay. Sexual abuses aside, <clears throat> the fact is they weren't displayed. People didn't come out like that, especially sure. not in 1993. No. Um, in 1993, I, I don't know. How was it? Do you know what it was like in Mexico? I would venture to say that it was probably, it's still not. Um, I would venture, It's more accepted now, I would think, in, excuse me, in the Mexican culture. But I would venture to say that it was very... It was a very closeted time, so to speak, or for lack of a better term, you know, you just, you didn't come out. Yeah. Yeah. And I would think that, I I would think that it'd be more accepting in the bigger cities like Cancun or, or Mexico city than it would be in smaller cities, smaller towns. I would think so too, only because there's a lesser chance of you being known. And so that if you have a certain lifestyle or if you frequent certain establishments or if you, you know what I mean? The, yeah, exactly. the likelihood that you're going to be recognized or, oh, there goes Juan and Juan is gay is not going to be all over the small town or farm community um, if he were to be, um, if he were to have been seen there. And, you know, at the end of the day, you we're not making a commentary on what life was like back then. I'd like to. We just digressed. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we didn't. Uh, and, and that's not to say that 1993 didn't have its benefits. It did. <clears throat> um, however, we will admit that the AIDS movement and the LGBTQ movement started back in the 1980s 
and it gained prominence in the 1990s with various movies that came out. And, um, you know, I'm glad to say that now homosexuality or transgendered lifestyles are not as frowned upon. True, they are discriminated against. Don't get me wrong. But they are not as frowned upon as they used to be. At least not in the big cities that I'm aware of. I liked the character development of Joe uh, Miller, Denzel mm-hmm. Washington, from beginning to end in this movie, because, like I said, you could see his um, hesitation in the beginning, and his he didn't want to take the case. Spoiler alert! Sorry, I should have said that first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, we should like have like a button that you know that we beeps need, things yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, not that beeps things out, but like to notify people it's coming. So you should stop listening if you don't want to hear this part. And if I had <laughs> you know what? If I if I had if I knew StreamYard better, I could like flash it up on the screen. I'm gonna be like <laughs> one from now on ding 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 here it comes. Okay. Well so. here's the thing I'm gonna teach you how to use StreamYard and then you while I'm talking about it you can flash up spoiler alert. <laughs> Oh, but I like you being the editor-in-chief. You get to do all the work. Well, (laughs) women, I swear. Let's not go there. Anyway. There, I I managed. Moving on, moving on. I managed to cut out two particular (laughs) scenes. Unfortunately, for uh, for the blind people who are watching this, the scenes are not described. I couldn't find any described scenes online so but it gives you an idea of what was involved in the acting and what may have inspired the screen actors guild to give this movie the oscars that it did um so bear with me Okay, let's. Okay, here here it goes. Um, this is the first one, starting Denzel Washington, and it comes exactly after he is mistaken for a gay man in a pharmacy <clears throat> simply because he decided to take the case. And he was so incensed by this that he literally attacked the guy who called him homosexual. However, my favorite line comes in. Do I look gay to you? Denzel Washington says. And the other guy says, do I look gay to you? And to be honest, throughout the whole the whole scene, you think this guy is normal until he tries to pick up Denzel Washington. 
But he comes into court with this chip on his shoulder that, hey, something's going on here, and I'm about to play that now. Thank you. No more questions, Your Honor. Is Andrew Beckett the kind of lawyer who misplaces crucial documents? Not to my knowledge. No. Mr. Collins, if you wanted to make a lawyer look incompetent, would this be a good way of going about it? Hiding an important document, maybe for a few hours, and then making it look like the responsible lawyer misplaced it. Why would Mr. Wheeler and the others behave so outrageously? Because they found out Andy was sick? That's not answering the question. Perhaps. We have lawyers who've had heart attacks, ulcers, prostate cancer, leukemia. No one sandbagged them. Did you have something to do with this uh, file being lost accidentally on purpose? Objection. I'll rephrase. Did you have anything to do with this file being misplaced? Absolutely not. Are you a homosexual? What? Are you a homosexual? Answer the question. Are you a homo? Are you a faggot? You know, a punk, oh, queen, pillow biter, fairy, booty snatcher, rump roaster. Are you gay? Objection. Order. Where did this come from? Suddenly, counsel's attacking his own witness. Mr. Collins, sexual orientation has nothing to do with this case. Please have a seat, Miss Keneath. Would you approach the bench, Mr. Miller? share with me exactly what's going on inside your head because at this moment I don't have a clue. Your Honor, everybody in this courtroom is thinking about sexual orientation, you know, sexual preference, whatever you want to call it. Who does what to whom and how they do it. I mean, they're looking at Andrew Beckett. They're thinking about it. They're looking at Mr. Wheeler, Miss Conine, even you, Your Honor. They're wondering about it. <laughs> Trust me, I know that they are looking at me and thinking about it. So let's just get it on the open. Let's, let's, let's get it out of the closet. Because this case is not just about AIDS, is it? So let's talk about what this case is really all about. The general public's hatred, our loathing, our fear homosexuals and how that climate of hatred and fear translated into the firing of this particular homosexual my client Andrew Beckett please have a seat Mr. Miller very good in this courtroom Mr. Miller justice is blind to matters of race creed color, religion, and sexual orientation. With all due respect, Your Honor, we don't live in this courtroom, though, do we? No, we don't. However, as regards this witness, I'm going to sustain the defense's objection.
Oh. Um. And that's a really powerful scene. In fact, I can, I can honestly, I, I can honestly understand how Denzel Washington won a lot of his Oscars. I mean, just I, I based love on that line. I yeah, love that line. But we don't live in this courtroom. That's right, and and unfortunately, that's the case in many instances where people sue whether it be companies, whether it be governments, whether it be people for accessibility rights. And they say, well, you know, you should know that this isn't legal. And the people say, well, it may not be legal here, but we don't live here. And, and, and that's the thing. What happens in the legislature is, for the most part, done and kept in the legislature until it actually takes prominence in the world. Um, there are several locations, several countries that look down on gay people, uh, look down on blind people look down on black people, look down on Chinese people, Asians. And it's it's hard it's hard to stop that with so many people in this world. We can try and we do try but I don't think it's a it's a battle we'll ever win until the old generation dies out. And unfortunately, that old generation happens to be me and Claudia. <laughs> but <laughs> even then, I still don't think, you know, I mean, if we're talking about the global picture and we're talking about how this mindset, how people have this mindset about, about homosexuality and disability and race, and I don't think that even when our generation, you know, dies out, I don't think it's going to change, unfortunately, because um, people are taught. People are taught by what they see. Um, mm -hmm. And so I don't know that it's something that's going to be easily eradicated. I would agree with you, except we have more TV these days. And Kids are more into TV than they used to be. They're more into the internet than they used to be. That is true because I see the level of acceptance um, mm -hmm. among teenagers and thing and people that are. Um, I don't. I don't even like the term homosexual because I don't think that that's an appropriate term at this stage in our life. Right. Um, and at this stage in our culture, you know, but um, they are very accepting of LGBT people. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, whatever it is that your orientation or your preference is. And I think that that it speaks a lot, definitely, for our, our young people. Yeah. I mean, I can unfortunately, sad, excuse me, sadly say that in my younger days, as a, as a kid growing up, I used the term faggot. I did not say faggot to refer to someone as a homosexual I just said 
faggot because I thought it was a bad word. That you just said it because you. Yeah. Yeah, we. I mean, I'm sure we did too, and it wasn't necessarily that you were referring to somebody who's homosexual or. Right. You know, we just wanted gay. to piss the person off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Kind of like you, you know, you call somebody an asshole, um, just to piss them off. The fact is, by definition, they're not an asshole. They have one, but they're not one. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> okay, sorry. That was a bad joke. That was a bad joke. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> and speaking of which, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to get more on this, uh, this topic of discrimination and racism, make sure to check out Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway for a roundtable discussion we're having on Sunday. At was it eight a.m. Uh, eight p.m. We discussed. I can't remember offhand. Um, I don't know. At all. I w- <laughs> I will advertise it. Um, but make sure you guys watch. It'll be an interesting roundtable. Like our last roundtable was so interesting. I mean that one was amazing all in of itself. Um, but you know I can honestly say that I am glad we're going to be doing this show and I've actually had some people approach me and say wow it's great you're going to be doing this show about discrimination and racism because it's not being talked about very much the only thing that's being talked about are the crimes that are being perpetrated against certain races and and you know but it comes in a lot of forms and hopefully we'll we'll talk about that more on sunday having said that getting back to the movie another uh, another digression digression (laughs) i'm gonna start counting you should i am and and we should have a tip jar we should and i'm gonna get all the tips wait (laughs) Well, maybe. Okay. You're the deviator in this in this uh, duo here. Yeah. You know what? I can honestly say that I am. You are. You are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so getting back to the movie, there is actually another segment I want to play. Another section in the movie that I feel is very... Um, visual granted again i think they based tom hanks oscar on this particular scene but having said that there's something that us blind folks and unfortunately the only described version of this movie is with british narration and i have to say before a lot of the movies that were available with description came from England because they were a hell of a lot more advanced than we were here in Canada and the US. And it's a British narration and I I and this is a personal preference. I personally don't like British narration because there is so little description done. Um, 
it's like they feel that things should be left to the imagination. But subtle nuances, like in the scene that I'm going to play in a couple of minutes, um, are very important to the movie. Um, Although, uh -huh. I, I love this guy's accent, let me just say. <laughs> Who, Miguel? The narrator. The narrator. <laughs> you know, you, you, you women say the same thing. You know, I don't like to be classified as you women. I am my no, own I person. Let's not. Ma'am, listen to me. Ma'am? Oh, now he's going to I me. I have been told <laughs> by several women that I know, and I'm not just talking a handful, that they love a British accent. It's hot. Well, his is. I don't see why. Because you're a male. No, 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 no. Okay. Wait, now I deviated. I'm sorry. Wait, you get a No, 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 no. Hold, <laughs> on. <laughs> Hold on. This is an interesting topic we have to talk about here. <laughs> okay. Um, the Harry Potter movies, for example, some were, were American description and some were actual British descriptions from England. And I thought that the Harry Potter movies were better with the English description than the American one. You might just convince me to actually listen to one just on that fact alone to see to see if, if you're right or not. Well, that's the thing. I'm not sure if, um, if both versions are available. Well, we'll, 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 we'll talk about that. But anyway. Yes, we will. Having said sir. that, yeah, <laughs> I'm looking for it. Uh, it's going to be a long day. Okay. <clears throat> okay. And um, I hope everybody can... I'll explain at the end where I feel... This is a very visual movie that, honestly, Do Jonathan Demme had some great ideas. And I think whether he did the lighting or not or decided on the lighting or not, um, kudos to him. Do you mind this music? Do you like opera? I am not that familiar with opera, Andrew. Oh, this is my favorite aria. It's Maria Callas. Sandria Chenier. Umberto Giordano. This is Madalena. She's saying how during the French Revolution, a mob set fire to her house. And her, and her mother died. 
saving her. She said, look, the place that cradled me is burning. strings and it changes everything. It's like the music, it fills with, with a hope. And that'll change again, listen. The scene closes on him clutching his hands to his heart, and um, I want to get. I want. I'm actually going to ask Claudia this in a couple of seconds, but um, 
for those who can't see, and this is where my memory of my sight and this movie come in. In this particular scene, when the scene ends and Tom Hanks is clutching his hands to his heart, the lighting is done so that there is a shadow over Tom Hanks, like a shadow of death. And that pretty much, spoiler alert, um, a big spoiler alert, pretty much tips us off as to what happens at the end. If you're watching carefully. And that this man, no matter what he does, as much as much as he tries to escape it, he can't escape the shadow of death. And all these people around him are telling him, live, live your life, appreciate, appreciate your life. But at the end of the day, Andrew realizes that it doesn't matter what he does. He's going to enjoy the day the way it is. And he's going to enjoy it under his terms. But death is still going to be there. And I think that's a metaphor for everyone. I mean, no matter what you do, you have to appreciate and enjoy the day. And just have fun. Carpe diem. That's right. Seize the day. <clears throat> um, and I was going to ask Claudia. I don't. I got a bit <clears throat> confused because right after this scene, Denzel Washington, Joe Miller, leaves Andrew's apartment. But then he has a change of heart and tries to come back, but then he decides not to come back. I don't I don't understand what the meaning of that scene was. Do you? Um, no, I also found that interesting, and I was going to bring it up because it was right after this, um, mm-hmm. right after that clip that you showed. And right. I wanted to know, um, I, I kind of maybe took that as um, – he first felt uncomfortable with the whole opera talk, I think, and just kind of being there while he was, while Andy Beckett was going through this process, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, uh, having this emotional connection with this, with the, with the opera. Mm-hmm. But I think that maybe, you know, maybe Joe felt that Andy might have needed more company, but he didn't, you know, he felt like he should go, but then he kind of thought, maybe I need to go back. You know what I mean? Um, so I would have loved to, I don't know. I would have and, loved to see, and, I would have wanted him to go in and see what that was about. So you're saying that perhaps <clears throat> he was wrestling with his own desire to go back in and, and be, be a, friend a friend to him. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. That actually makes sense. 
because yeah. I wanted only... to know what was going to happen. And I'm like, really? You're not going back in? <laughs> I know. I know. And the thing that happens right after that scene is that he goes home, hugs his baby, and cuddles his wife, and appreciates the people in his life. And that's and, something that a lot of people don't do. And you could see, too, with his relationship with his wife, for Joe mm-hmm. Miller, just, again, his his evolving. Um, and they have some deep discussions about all of this. Uh, you know, and some in the beginning were very negative in nature. And then you could see his change. So I just, I really yeah. liked his character in this. I just like to see his evolution. Yeah, actually, there was uh, part of that scene when he's talking to his wife about the case in the trailer. Um, he says, would you feel comfortable having a case that, you know, every time you look at a man, you think he's he's going to kill you or or um, right when he touches you, you're going to catch AIDS, blah, blah, blah. And and she responds with a really interesting response, not if I was you. Yeah. Which essentially says, hey, you wouldn't take it, but I would. Because she knows him. Because yeah. she knows who he is. And not only that, it seems <clears throat> like the movie is saying that women in general have a better outlook on the whole LGBTQ society than men do. And I think that's that's a play on the state of the world at that point. Yeah. It's some deep stuff in this movie and I just Yeah. Um I I I did really like it. Yeah. Um yeah, although I, too. I will admit I did say to Victor that I didn't cry at the end. And um, but but here's my reasoning for <laughs> no no tell everybody what happened the first time. What happened the first time? The first time you watched this movie, yes. What happened? You cried. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, it's already been a long day. Okay. I, I'm not. Okay. So, all right. We won't even. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So, no, I didn't. I did not cry this time when I saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of thought I would, but um, my theory is that. I don't cry for a lot of movies um, because I cannot visualize like you, you. Yeah, I know what's happening and I know how it ends, obviously. And I know, mm-hmm. you know, when it's happening, what is going to happen. And I'm very good at predicting what's coming next. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's a visual thing. So, you know, if I hadn't seen um, the same level of emotion, I think, is not there if you've never had any vision. So I can't imagine Andy going from looking normal to looking sick in the courtroom or looking sick at the library or, you know, just in his hospital bed. I cannot visualize those things. So I think that the lack of, um, you know, that that's part of the reasoning behind why I don't cry very easily in movies, for in 
Right. As a result of watching movies. Yeah, no, I get that. And and I mean there were some there are some movies that have made me cry. For example, I was telling Claudia about the movie Scrooged that starred Bill Murray. <laughs> and at the end there is a tiny uh, a, a young man, young boy who hasn't who doesn't speak, but at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, he says, "God bless us everyone." And that just brought tears to my face. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, for a more recent example, I can give the greatest showman when uh, they're singing, when the whole lot of the cast is singing, this is me. Did you watch that? No, I haven't seen it yet, but I love the song. Yeah, no. I mean that was that was my experiences growing up as a fat kid with four eyes where I grew up and that made me cry that actually made me cry the movie made me cry Oh well, this is interesting this is another topic maybe we need to cuz cuz you know what does make me cry more than movies is music because yeah. of the emotion that's in music Uh-huh um, I think sometimes, and I'm just like, wow, that was pretty powerful. So, but anyway, we digressed again. So I no, we didn't because we kind of. <laughs> well, no, we didn't because we kind of can associate that with that scene I just played, where the music <clears throat> in the background is just superficial, and just you're looking at the story that you're listening to the story that Andrew is saying. Unless you're Italian and you understand the story as it's being sung. Right. Um, but essentially, you, I mean, this is why he loves that opera. And he's telling you why. I also would have loved to know what he was doing. Because I, I had the sense that he was, either he stood up at one point or he was walking around. Or he, he was did. doing a lot of moving. But I, did, but did. I didn't know for sure. Yeah. He, and he did. He stood up from the ta- from the desk that he was sitting with Denzel Washington, going over the Q and A uh, for the trial. And like I said, at the end, he it, it 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 just ends on him standing there, clutching his hands to his heart, <clears throat> and and the pallor of death over him. And you can't you can't beat something like that. I mean, that is so visually appealing; it just draws you in. Yeah. Um. You know, and it and and you don't see that very often. It was a good movie. It was a very good movie. Like I said, I mean, I think I would have liked to see a more average, realistic view of homosexuality back in the 90s. However, the story is what the story is, and we don't, you know, we don't make the the story. We just watch it. (laughs) Or listen to it, as the case may be. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. I mean, I give it it a five. You know, this is weird. All the movies we've played (laughs) so far are fives. I think our project for next week should be a movie we don't like. Because I think it might be a challenge. 
Yeah, well, how about that? I mean, you you come up with a movie that you oh. don't like. Let me know about it, and I'll come up with a movie I don't like. I'm not a big movie buff. All right, but I'll I'll see. Yeah, and then I'll I'll <coughs> I will we'll exchange the movie and see what the other person thinks. All right, all right, fine. There you go. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. We are going to have a quote-unquote sound off <laughs> <laughs> next Friday. Um, and we'll, we'll both be reviewing movies we, uh, well, a particular movie that we didn't like and see if the other one feels the same way. And, um, like I said, I mean, I have a bunch of movies I could choose from because, <clears throat> as I said, I was sighted um, and I was able to see some of these movies. And uh, Claudia has been blind her whole life. So we had very different experiences. And I do go to movies and I did go to movies growing up, but mm-hmm. it's it wasn't a frequent um and I will still do it and I did it when my son was younger mm-hmm. because you know all the latest movies that kids would watch we would take him to see those and everything but but I'm not a big and I you know I'm not as much of an enthusiast as he as Victor is and so when he approached me with this I'm like what you want me to review movies I'm like I don't watch movies yeah but yeah it's yeah. good yeah, I I mean I I used to go to I didn't go to movies all that often when I was younger because I couldn't afford it. Yeah, it was expensive even then. Yeah, yeah, especially even then. I mean, we were more worried about money for our parents and the mortgage than yeah. we were worried about anything else. Our enjoyment just came second. And uh and and because of that, our entertainment was very limited to just TV-based entertainment or what we could do outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in those days, there wasn't much on TV. <laughs> Unless you had a digital box that essentially, you know... Um, Anyway, we won't go there because that's progressing again, dear. No, we're not. I'm talking about something illegal. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and believe me, folks, I'm not proud of it. Well, no, I am proud of it because this was back in the 90s. But you know, essentially, <laughs> what are you gonna do? <laughs> you did to you did to survive what you did to survive. Yep. Yeah, well, or at least have fun. <laughs> right. But, um, ladies and gentlemen, um, I hope you've enjoyed our review of Philadelphia, starring Tom Hanks. And, um, well, make sure you tune in tomorrow night, uh, tomorrow at some point. I will have a um, an update show for you guys on a few guests that we've had in over the time that I've been here. And uh, I'm also going to update you on uh, some points that I made during my show, the TTC, the best transit system in the world. Um, There are some updates that I think are very important that need to be told. Um, 
and while that show that particular piece of news will just be um, more relatable to those who live in in Toronto um, I mean I think it's a it's a good example of, of of showing other people what a successful transit system looks like um, just like New York just like any other transit system except I mean I'm very proud of our transit system Having said that, and make sure you tune in on uh, Sunday night for Prejudice and Racism Roundtable. And um, Claudia, would you like to add anything? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I need okay. more coffee, apparently. <laughs> Co-host du jour, yes. Co-host du jour. No, um, <laughs> so, wait. Uh, so, I do just want to say just uh, please uh, listen to Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway. He has a lot of interesting uh, content up there. Thank you. Um, on which he does digress some, but you know that's all right. <laughs> that is all right because it's that our channel. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. And um, and then I am, uh, you know, look for my podcast as well. I'm slowly, slowly trying to teach myself and get into the groove. But um, musings from my little corner of the world is, you know, um, just something that I just started, and I'm not sure where it's going, but it's kind of kind of having fun with it. So um, yeah. check us both out, and um, hopefully you like. Uh, a lot of what you hear. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Thank you for joining us, folks. Enjoy your Friday night with whatever movie you choose to watch. Philadelphia. Philadelphia. <laughs> Starring Tom Hanks. Check it out on Netflix or Crave or whatever streaming service you have. And um, we will see you guys next week. For now, enjoy your movie. Bye, everyone. Bye.